Good morning. Welcome to Youth Sunday. Well, yeah, one more time. Thank you, Youth Praise, Youth Praise team. You guys are great. And Matthew Beatty, Matthew Beatty, carrying on the family tradition right there. <laughs> I know you come from a long line of rappers, so um, anyway. Well, hey, to get things going this morning, um, I, I need to share a quote with you guys. All right, you ready? Here we go. I hate this. I hate this. And since it's Youth Sunday, all the adults are like, I've heard that quote from those teenagers over there, right? Yeah, because that's something they say sometimes. But you know what? That's also something that the person right next to you says, and the person right behind you says, and it's something the person right in front of you says. Oh, and it's something that you say, too. And it's something that I say. In fact, I just said this two weeks ago. Uh, Kara and I went out to California, and we celebrated our 10th anniversary. And so, yeah, it was, it was a great trip, great trip, and everything. You know, I took her to the beach where I proposed to her at sunset years ago, because I'm a romantic guy, and actually, I read her poetry every morning when she wakes up, so. Just, just go with it, honey. So, um, <laughs> But the trip went great, went great, and we were supposed to come home on Sunday morning, and so I got up Sunday morning and checked email, and we had this email from the airline, and it said, your flight has been canceled. I was like, well, that's a problem. And so I don't want to alienate anybody in this room that might work for this airline, and I don't want to talk badly about the airline, so we're just going to make up a fake name for them, and we'll just call them, I don't know, Runited Airlines. Sound good? Runited Airlines? <laughs> they fly the friendly skies. Anyway. Um, so I called Runited Airlines and get a representative on the phone, and I said, you know, what's going on with the flight? He said, Mr. Harrison, your flight has been canceled, but good news, we can get you on another flight. I thought, great. And so I'm pulling up the flights, too, to see what's available. And he said, we can get you on a flight on Monday night at 5.45. It's like, well, that just doesn't work, because we had people watching our little girls, and we needed to get home. And so... I said, well, I see you have a flight at 12.30 today back to Denver. Can you get us on that one? And the guy said, well, sure. But you'll have to pay the difference in fare, and it's an extra $300 per person. And I went, okay, you jerks. Um, <laughs> that's not going to work, all right? Because here's the deal. I planned this out, and I gave you my money to fly us somewhere, and I'm wanting to get home on time, okay? This wasn't the plan. You guys, Runited Airlines, you're the biggest airline in the world. And so you bumped me, and I need you to fix it. And the guy said, well, Mr. Harrison, my hands are tied. And I was like, no, they're not. But anyway, <laughs> he said, you can either get on a flight on Monday night at 545, or if you want to get out of here at 1230, you can just pay the extra $300 per ticket. And so I, re I really sat there and I went, okay, what would, Jesus, like, what would Jesus really do in this situation? <laughs> and so I did, what I did next was the most Christ-like thing that I could think of at that moment, and I hung up on him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, now before you think I'm a horrible person, the other option involved like screaming and saying things like, I will own your job in this airline by the end of this, and then something about God's wrath, and it's not a big deal. So anyway... <laughs> So, got off the phone, and that's when I said it. I said, I hate this. You know, I hate that I had a plan in place, and it was all set. 
and this isn't what it was supposed to look like, and this isn't how it was supposed to go. So I went on to plan B, and I thought, okay, plan B. We're going to ask Kara if she has any ideas. But what I forgot to think about was that in order to get plan B going, that involved waking Kara up. And so I'll just say this, plan B started, and then it ended like three seconds later. It was done, all right? So on to plan C. And by this point, I was running out of ideas, and so I did what any 31-year-old man who was panicking would do. And I called my mommy. <laughs> and so, yeah, 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 mom. <laughs> so I was on the phone with her about, for about five or ten minutes, and I got off the phone with her, and I really just stopped and went, God, you got to do something. Because I'm out of ideas, and I'm out of plans, but you've got to do something. Long story short, mommy ended up being part of God's plan to get us home. And actually, we ended up on that flight at 12.30, no additional charge. So I know I'm saying this a week early, but yeah, for moms, all right? <laughs> so, but isn't that what we do? Isn't that where we go when a plan fails? When you've got it all planned out and something doesn't work, we make plan A. It doesn't work. We go to plan B. And that doesn't work. We go to plan C. And then finally, when we're out of ideas, we go to a higher authority, whether it's mommy or coach or teacher or mentor or hopefully God, right? You know, you've got your finances all planned out and you've made this budget. And anyone who's made a budget, you know that the first budget you make just doesn't work, right? Because things come up and life happens. So you've got plan A, life happens. You go to plan B. And then you've got more unexpected expenses that come up. You go to plan C, and that doesn't work. And then, and then it just so happens that there's this $640 million jackpot in Mega Millions. And you're thinking, that's why none of the other plans worked. Because God's will for my life is to win Mega Millions. Come on, how many of you bought tickets? You're in church, do not lie. How many of you bought tickets? Yeah, and then you get that ticket, and suddenly your prayer life is stronger than it's ever been, right? <laughs> like, God, if you will just do this for me, I, not only will I tithe, God, I will, I'll tithe. Yeah, it's a triple tithe. <laughs> I'll tithe, God. And you, do you know how much money that is, God? And by the time they take out taxes, I'll be able to give the church like 40 bucks, you know? And so... <laughs> And I know that's a silly example, but isn't that kind of how plans work out? We, one plan fails, and we go to the next, and we go to the next. But you know what happens? Even when you've asked God to do something, you know, if you don't see an answer right away, you know, you've heard people say that when God closes one door, he opens another, but sometimes you look around and you go, all I see are closed doors. And you think, God, is there a plan? Because this isn't what life was supposed to look like. And so is there a plan? And if you still don't hear anything, you think, well, God, do you even care about the plan? And then it goes to God, are you there? And what happens is your faith gets shaken and you get rocked back and forth because life does not look the way you planned it to. And it's hard. Well, we're going to look at this story this morning. And some people were in this situation where life for them at that moment did not look the way they hoped it would. And it wasn't the way they had planned it, and it wasn't the way they expected it to look. And what Jesus showed them, and what I believe he's showing us, is that those moments in life that don't go according to plan, 
that those do not have to be a crisis to our faith. And that if we'll just engage in one activity, in one thing, that those moments can actually strengthen our faith and strengthen our trust in what our Heavenly Father is doing in our life. Now, here is why I love the Bible. Because in the 2,000 plus years that have gone on, that have gone by since this story happened and where we're at now, we've seen all kinds of change, haven't we? You know, we've seen wars. We've seen governments and empires rise and fall. We've seen advances in technology. We've seen borders of countries that haven't just moved, some have disappeared and changed, but this one thing has stayed the same. And if you've been in church all your life, you're like, God, and that's, yes, that's the right answer in church. But there's this other thing that stayed the same, and that is our human nature. Our sinful human nature has stayed the same that whole time. And you know what? That is great news for you, and that's great news for me. You know why? Because Jesus, what he had to say to these people about their sinful human nature, those words are for you and I as well today. And what he had to say to them, it's like he knew that, hey, if I'm saying it to these guys, I might as well say it to all humans for all time, because eventually life is not going to go the way you plan it to. And you're going to look at it and go, what is going on? And you're going to panic. So this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 if you brought your Bibles, and if not, you can follow along on screen. But before we do that, let me just set this up. In Mark chapter 8, there are all these people that have just come to see Jesus, and they've been with him for a few days. And Jesus has spent some time teaching them, and they're all about to go home, and Jesus looks at them all, and it says he had compassion on them all. Because some of them had come from a long way, and he knew that they had a long journey home. And he was concerned that on that long journey home, that some of them could collapse if they don't get some food. So he told the disciples, gather everything we have, and we're going to feed these people. And what the disciples came back with was seven loaves of bread and a few very small fish. But by the end of it, 4,000 people had been fed. 4,000 of them. And it wasn't just crumbs. It was they ate until they were satisfied. And they say that it may have just been the men, that they may not have even gotten around to counting all the women and children that ate as well. But 4,000 people. So this had just happened. And then this group called the Pharisees comes up to Jesus. And if you don't know who the Pharisees are, these are kind of, they're the religious know-it-alls. And they did know a lot. But Jesus was such a threat to them. Because Jesus said things like, you know what, you guys know so much. But you know what, it's all up here. And none of it has come here to your heart. You don't live it out. And so they were constantly trying to trap Jesus and test him. And so what they did is they said, Jesus, show us a sign from heaven. And Jesus is like, were you just here? Did you not just see what just happened? And I think a lot of times we think of Jesus and we think he just said yes to everyone's request. But this was one of those instances where Jesus said, I'm not going to do it. And he got in a boat and he went to the other side of this body of water that they were by where he was with the disciples. And that's where we're going to jump in. This is verse 14 in Mark chapter 8. Here we go. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? 
When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Now, what I think Jesus was trying to get them to understand, and what you and I are going to discover in a minute, and where we're going to land this morning, is this, that remembering our Father's faithfulness renews His children's trust. Remembering our Father's faithfulness renews His children's trust. And we're going to explore that in just a minute, but first, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, just this morning, the opportunity for us to gather. And we ask that you will uh, just make your word come alive to us this morning. Speak into our lives, speak into our situations, and just show us. Show us what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Question for you guys. How many of you lately have forgotten something that you really needed to remember? How many of you have forgotten something? And the rest of you are perfect. All right. Cool. All right, yeah. It's something we do. We forget. And what is your reaction when you forget? Oh, I heard, oh. Yeah, I heard somebody say it. We panic. We panic. We do what we just talked about, where you go, oh, that wasn't the plan. That's not what it was supposed to look like, right? My parents, they actually told me when I turned 18, um, and I think they told me when I was 18, because if they told me when I was any younger, I probably would have been damaged by this, but they, uh, they said when I was an infant... I was in my crib, and they, they backed out of the driveway and drove down the street to go to the store. And suddenly they went, we forgot Nathan. <laughs> and then they said they kept driving. I'm just kidding. No, they didn't. Do, I'm just kidding. You know, but whether it's, you know, they had that panic moment. And whether it's your homework, whether it's a deadline at work, whether it's an anniversary or your children or whatever it is, you panic when you forget something. And you say, that's not how this was supposed to go. That wasn't the plan. And so you can imagine how the disciples were feeling in this moment, realizing they had forgotten this bread. Because when you forget your homework, you guys answer to your teacher. And when you forget a deadline, you answer to your boss. When you forget an anniversary, you answer to your boss, your, your real boss, <laughs> right? But the disciples, they forgot the bread. And who do they have to answer to? To Jesus. And so you can imagine what's going on inside of them. And what's so cool about this moment is it's like Jesus, he's able to look inside their heads and hear the self-talk going on and sense the panic running through their bodies. And he says something that the disciples think they understand, but they actually, they don't get it at all, as we'll find out in a minute. Listen to this. He says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. The disciples are like, oh gosh, did you hear him? He said, he said yeast, and that's a bread word, and he's mad at us, and, and we're in trouble. And then listen to what Jesus says after that. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Jesus is saying, no, this isn't about you forgot the bread. This, is, this wasn't about forgetting physical bread. 
He's saying, I don't want you to do what the Pharisees just did, where they forgot what their heavenly father just did with the 4,000. Don't forget, see, you panicked because you forgot physical bread. But they forgot their father's faithfulness. Don't do that. Don't forget. And then he follows up with this question. And don't you remember... When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. See, what Jesus was saying is, remember, remember what, what just happened, what you just saw? See, your Heavenly Father not only met the need, but He went beyond it. He went far beyond it. And to Jesus... This was not about what the disciples brought or what they had forgotten to bring. This was not about what the disciples were doing or not doing. To Jesus, this was about something much greater. And he follows up with one more question. He says, do you still not understand? Do you still not understand? See, what Jesus knew and what he's trying to get the disciples to understand and what he's trying to get you and I to understand is that remembering the Father's faithfulness renews his children's trust. Remembering the Father's faithfulness renews his children's trust. Let me tell you what resonated with me out of this whole thing. I've told you guys before, I, I'm, I'm kind of weird maybe, but I love math, I love numbers and all that stuff. So I read the story of Jesus feeding 4,000, and I just have a math problem going through my brain, okay? And so for those of you who don't enjoy math, and you want to see just... The process, we're going to put it on the screen for you, okay? So, 4,000 people, we've got 4,000 people divided by seven loaves comes out to an average of 571.43 people per loaf, all right? So, we could probably, since it's Jesus, round that up to like infinity, but um, in light of what they just saw, they had just seen Jesus feed 571 people with a loaf of bread. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, that's, this is kind of a, whole, a silly little situation that's just happened then. Why are the disciples, why are they freaking out? Because they're sitting here, and if all the disciples were there, there would have been 12 of them. Here's 12 guys with this loaf of bread that represents feeding 571 people. But there's 12 of them there, and they're discussing forgotten bread. They're saying, oh, this isn't what it was supposed to look like. We were supposed to have more bread. And there may be even panicking inside. But why? This loaf of bread represents 571 people. Oh yeah, and the one who did it is standing right there too, Jesus. That's, you know, that's just another bonus right there. And so what are they worried about? It's all kind of silly, isn't it? See, it's silly until I think about my life. And you think about your life. Because aren't we, in our own way, in our own lives, in our own situations, doing the exact same thing? We're panicking. We're looking at life. We're saying, it wasn't supposed to happen like this. Maybe you're saying, I hate this right now. I hate this situation. We're panicking. And yet, you've seen the, Father, the Heavenly Father's faithfulness to you. You know what it looks like. You've experienced God being good to you at least once. But see, this time, maybe the situation's different. 
it looks different. And you wonder, well, will my heavenly father be faithful in this situation? Because this time, it's a canceled airplane flight. This time, it's a rejection letter from a school you really, really wanted to get into. Or a job you really, really wanted to get. This time, you're in your marriage and you're looking at your spouse and you're going, this isn't the person that I married on our wedding day. And this isn't what marriage was supposed to look like. This time, it's the job you've been at for years. And you think, I should have been promoted by now. I should have, you know, I shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck still. Or this time, you know, you're in your 60s. And when you were in your 50s, the plan was retirement when you got into your 60s. But now you're in your 60s and you're realizing that you may have to keep working to provide and to take care of and meet needs. Can you imagine if we became people who in those moments of life, when life is taking a turn and it doesn't look the way you planned it and you're panicking, what if we became people who remembered our Father's faithfulness to us? You know what would happen? Is our Father's faithfulness, remembering that, would renew us, his children's trust. And that's why I love working with youth so much. Because the youth live in the land of remember. Remember when that happened? Remember when this happened? And as they say it, you can watch them light up. You can't. And I think God, God, God hardwired us for that. That when we remember when he has been good to us, that keeps us going. And I could tell you story after story after story after story of our Father's faithfulness to the youth in this church. But instead of me telling you, I'd rather you hear it from them. And so we're going to watch this video. We, uh, we asked some, some of the youth to share our Heavenly Father's faithfulness in their lives with us and tell us how that keeps us going. So let's take a look. I lost my relationship with my father and everything just started going downhill from there it felt like. I got in a car accident, I started losing friends that were dear to me and um, I just started to lose hope. Um, all of a sudden I started to get severe stomach pains and no one could figure out why and uh, I actually missed about a total of a month of school and just two weeks straight of in and out of the hospital, test after test. First semester of my junior year academically was so hard. I felt like, yeah, basically everything in my life revolved around me getting my homework done. And, you know, it almost was to the extent that uh, I just didn't feel like going on anymore. I didn't feel like there was a purpose. I went through that really hard time because of the kid who died. And that was my real first time dealing with death. And also, my stepdad's mom died, so I went to two funerals in two weeks. My whole junior year, I didn't go to church at all. I hung out with maybe not so good people. <laughs> and I was under a lot of peer pressure. I was just like, God, what is wrong with me? What, you know, why, why am I hurting? What is this? The chips were down for me, and I wasn't uh, doing too well, and so I decided to uh, to just take a, take a moment and to kneel down and pray to God and ask for, for wisdom and courage. I was having a hard time trusting in what God had planned for me. So I 
I was praying and I had my arms outstretched and I asked him to take my hand and guide me. Um, I saw a Facebook status that said that had the verse, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's when I realized like, I don't have to give up. I had God with me the whole time and I know that because I didn't subject myself to any of the peer pressure. I stood strong and I ended up coming back to the church. Listening to how God is going to make me stronger through this. He has a purpose for this. And knowing that he had a purpose got me through. He's been blessing me with activities like winter percussion where I can get away for a couple hours each week or um, a couple proms that I get to show off my sweet dance moves. And, or just like guys group with um, people at West Bulls that I can share my struggles with other people. God provided me with even like healthier friendships and now my relationship with my father is starting to rekindle. You know, I don't need to know why this is happening because I know that God knows why it's happening and it's all for a purpose. You know, times get rough, you know, I, I can reflect back to that time when he did come through for me and realize that you know, I can depend on him and that he does come through when I need him the most. Knowing that he was there for me through that whole time and I was, I reached out to him, I just know that he's going to be there for me no matter what. God led me. He um, put the struggles in my life so that I could see better what my path was going to be. And that's the most touched I've ever felt most miraculous thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, you guys. Look, your situation right now that you're looking at and you're saying, look, life is not supposed to look like this. This wasn't the plan. This isn't how it was supposed to go. Not be, it may not be <clears throat> school, and it may not be a job, and it may not be retirement or marriage. Maybe for you, it's church. You know, and maybe you've come for years and years and years, and you think, well, this, this isn't what it was supposed to look like. You know, I don't, I don't like singing hymns, or I don't like what when people wear certain clothes, or. Maybe you don't like my teaching, or maybe you're here for the first time on a Sunday morning. And you walked in and you're like, they're rapping in service? That's not what church is supposed to look like. You know, or maybe you're looking at me and you're like, well, he's supposed to be a little bit taller and a whole lot uglier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He needs to be a whole lot uglier. But uh, anyway, but instead, can I urge you? to remember our Father's faithfulness, no matter what the situation, school, work, marriage, retirement, church, whatever it is. And if you're crying out to God to say, and saying, do something, can I appeal to you? Can I ask you that in that gap between crying out to God for him to do something and waiting for him to actually do something, can I ask you to just remember your father's faithfulness. You don't remember Nathan 
when you wanted to be a firefighter. And it wasn't just like a phase in life. And it wasn't just a season. But this was like years and years and years. And God ended that dream in your heart. Remember how he brought something new along. Or remember when you came here to church and you weren't sure if you'd connect, or maybe you were connected at one time, and you felt like you lost that connection, and God moved in a situation, and he brought you back? Remember when your health took a turn for the worst, or maybe the health of a loved one took a turn, and you didn't know if you were coming through this, and God brought you through. Remember when you lost a loved one and you could not picture life going on without that loved one and God brought new life out of that whole situation. Or remember when we'd look at the church budget and year after year after year, we wondered if this thing we're doing right now was going to be there the next year. And just a few short months ago, God did come through so that we could be here. Remember our Father's faithfulness? It's right here. And whether it's some rocks or it's what Ryan Long talked about a couple weeks ago, a journal where you're writing down what your heavenly Father is doing in your life, where it's a list you're making and putting on the fridge, where it's a picture you take of a place where God did something just so incredible and was so faithful to you, or it's voicing to a person that God has used in your life, whatever it is, I need to ask you this morning to remember your Father's faithfulness. Do something to engage your senses. Something you can look at, you can write down, you can say to someone. Whatever it is, because you know what God does with that? He uses that to ingrain his faithfulness into your heart. Because a time is coming where you're going to forget. And you're going to go, God, this isn't what it was supposed to look like. And you're panicking. And you're saying, I hate this. In those moments remembering the Father's faithfulness renews his children's trust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your patience, that you are a God who, even though we forget over and over and over, you just remind us over and over and over. And so I ask that whatever it is, that you will lay on our hearts something we can do this week to engage our senses, to remember 
your faithfulness to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.